This is the Ministers of the New Covenant radio broadcast. We come to you in the name of Yeshua the Messiah, the Son of the Most High Yahweh. Tune in each week to hear teachings directly from Scripture, focused upon believing in the Father, His Son, and the holy and righteous law of our Creator. At the end of this broadcast, we will give you the web address whereby you may contact us for further scriptural information. Well, good evening. This is Brother Matthew again, and I'm very excited and overjoyed, actually, to have another opportunity to study our Heavenly Father's Word with you guys that are listening on this radio broadcast. If you missed last week, we began to discuss about husbands and their relationship with their wives, really marriage in general. Mostly, I began to focus on how husbands should love and cherish and nurture the wife that Almighty Yahweh has blessed them with. And we focused mostly on how that is done by being an example to the wife. And I promised that we would get into the book of Ephesians, and we're going to do that in this broadcast this evening. But you know, learning to be a good husband is going to take a lot of commitment and a lot of practice for us men. And that goes with anything in life. Whenever we desire to have success in life, it takes commitment. A commitment whether it be to friends, to family, to our job, to a team. It doesn't matter what it is. If we want to progress in something, that means we have to be committed to that something. I once read a short sentence in a book that stated something to this effect. Commitment stops indecision, but indecision stops commitment. And how true that is. You know, take fasting, for instance, going without food for a certain amount of time. If you've ever done that, it's very difficult, especially if it's a lengthy fast. There have been times in my personal life when I decided that I would go on a fast, but maybe halfway through the fast, I would think to myself, well... You know, maybe I really don't need to fast for quite this long. Or I'd start thinking about food and different flavors and different textures. And the problem here was that I never made a commitment towards the fast. I just said, well, I'll fast for, let's say, three days. And a day and a half into it, I felt like I needed to stop. But there have been other times in which I committed myself to a period of fasting. And because of that commitment, because of that oath or that vow that I made to the Father, no matter how hungry or how tired or how burdened or sick I felt, I continued because of the commitment. And a good husband commits himself to his wife. He doesn't just, quote unquote, start the fast or start the marriage. He finishes it. A good husband understands that throughout the marriage, he is going to hit some times of discouragement and depression. He's going to feel burdened. He's going to feel drained. But because he is committed to his wife, he's going to press on. And he's going to keep that oath or that vow where he said, until death do us part. Now, right along with commitment comes putting things into practice. You have to commit. You have to put things into practice. My favorite sermons of all time are the ones that challenge me and that convict me and that are very practical to my life, where I can put something into fruition, into practice. Now, don't get me wrong, I love hearing a sermon on important subjects, doctrinal topics such as Christology or Soteriology, the doctrine of salvation, but it always gives me a spiritual boost 
when I hear a message that challenges me as a Christian. I want to hear somebody say, now Matthew, this is what you're going to have to do. And then give me an outline. It helps when I hear things like that. For the most part, people do not practice spiritual things. Take Bible reading, for example. You know, All Christians should read their Bible every day. But I would venture to say that most do not read their Bible once a month. Maybe even less. And somebody's always there to say, well, I just can't find the time to read my Bible. Yet it seems that we find the time to work our job, do recreational things, watch television, go to the theater, attend sporting events, get our hair cut, dyed, styled, etc. But there's no time left over for reading the Bible. Well, we don't make a commitment to read. And therefore what follows is no practice of reading scripture. The Bible just lays wherever it may in the home, and it might get dusted off and sit on the coffee table when company comes over, but you don't ever read the Bible. Now, men, the Bible is not the only thing that can get dusty in your home. Just as the Bible is not going to help you out if it only sits on the shelf and never gets read, your wife is not going to follow your lead if you're not doing what you are supposed to do as a husband. Now, I guess I do take that back in one sense. She is going to follow your lead, but what lead are you giving her? See, Now, if you're cranky, if you're obnoxious, self-centered, evil-eyed, sluggish, and work all the time on your job and never take any time out for her, well, that's the lead that she is getting from you to follow. And the result will be a wife who is all those things that you're doing multiplied by two. See, if you do not give her the care, the attention, and the love that she needs, she is not going to fulfill her role as the woman of the house. What you have to do is commit yourself to her fully and then put into practice that commitment. Let her know that you have deep-seated romantic feelings for her. Show her these feelings. Communicate with her. Laugh with her. Talk to her. Hold hands with her. These things should never, ever get old. It's like a fire. If you do not continue to put wood on the fire, the fire will go out. You have to keep the fire stoked. And these are the simple things that we husbands must get back to. You know, society has come a very long way in just 50 years. One of my favorite TV shows of all time is The Andy Griffith Show. And there are certain episodes of that program that I believe I could watch a thousand times and I could still laugh just as hard as I did the first time I watched it. And I'm not presenting the show as being flawless in its morals, Please don't misinterpret me to be saying that. But one thing that I often notice is how that the men always make a point to open the doors for the women or even pull out the chair at the dinner table so that the woman can get into the chair with no problem. And I'm trying to teach my sons to start doing things like this at a young age because, hey, listen, if Andy and Barney can do it, then so can me and my sons, right? Well, here I am. And I'm talking to you about all these things, and I'm supposed to be getting into Paul's letter to the Ephesian husbands, and here I am talking about the Andy Griffith Show. 
So let me tell you that you're going to learn a lot more from Paul's letter than any television show. And this letter, written by the Apostle Paul, was inspired by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of Yahweh's ordained apostle. So let's go to it. Ephesians chapter 5. Paul begins his discourse to the husbands in verse 25 of chapter 5. And he begins by telling the husbands that they are to love their wives. Now, this is not where he stops the sentence. He attaches on it a certain type of love. You know, it's one thing to say, husbands, love your wives, period. And that's okay. But Paul goes a step further and he describes the love that the husband is supposed to have towards his wife. And he says that we're to love them as Christ loved the church. So, how did Christ love the church? Well, the text tells us by continuing to say that he gave himself for the church. And that deals with both the life and the death and the victorious resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Yeshua, the Messiah, the Christ, the Anointed One. See, we as human beings are sinners. And there is a reason why every single person that has ever been born has been inclined to sin and have fallen short of a perfect adherence to the holy law of our Creator. There is only one man that ever kept the entire law of Yahweh perfectly, and that man is none other than Yahweh's unique Son, Yeshua the Christ. Christ stems from the Greek word Christos, which means the Anointed One. Yahweh's demand for His people was that in order to be justified or to be declared righteous in His sight, we must obey every word that comes forth from His mouth. Now, I know that I have not obeyed every word. I've fallen short many, many times. And this is where the life of Christ comes into play. Yeshua lived a perfect life. He never sinned one time. And when we accept Him as our Savior, His righteousness gets imputed or deposited into our account. And this goes hand in hand with the death of Christ. Yeshua's death without His perfect life would have been the death of a good man, but it could not have atoned for sin. He had to first obey the law perfectly, and only then could His death atone for a sinner like you and like me. Now we might say it in this way. Yeshua has a bank account with just the right amount of money to pay the bill. We do not have that kind of account, nor will we ever have that kind of account. And He has transferred His wealth into our account so that we that owe a debt that are unable can pay. But how do we pay? We don't pay with our own wealth. We pay with His wealth. So how are we declared righteous in the Father's sight? Not by our own righteousness, but by the righteousness of Christ along with His sacrificial and substitute death on our part. Now in all of this, Please understand that Christ does this for sinners. People that are whole, W-H-O-L-E, do not need a doctor. It's only those people who are sick. Christ came to call the sinners to repentance. He lived perfectly and he died for the people who were imperfect. That's you and me. Paul said it right in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, when he said that Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom he was the chief.
Now, husbands, when we husbands comprehend the love that Christ had for us, we ought to be able to see that we should have this same type of love for our wives. And man, as I'm even sitting here teaching it, I'm being convicted by this statement. Because I know that I don't do it. I don't love my wife like Christ loved the church. We're to give our life to our wife. And that's a lot more than just a good rhyme. If we're going to follow Yeshua's example, then we're going to have to sacrifice for the sake of our wife. This means that we love her at all times. Yes, even the times when we don't think that she deserves to be loved, we are called to love her as our wife because Christ loved the church before it was ever the church. He loved us while we were yet in sin. And He pulled us through His life and death and resurrection. He pulled us out of that state of sin. Now, I know that all this is a very difficult saying. It grips me at the very core of my soul as I'm teaching it today. But it has to be true in light of Ephesians 5, verse 25. Those people who make up the church do not always deserve to be loved by Christ, do they? What about you? Do you think that Christ owes you His love? Well, you should not think that. The Son loves you because the Father gave you to the Son. John 6, 37-44 would show that. And your love towards your wife has to exhibit the same characteristics of Christ's love for the church. Man, you know, there are times when I do not feel like loving my wife. I might be having a bad day. Maybe somebody just cussed me out on my job. But whatever the case may be, loving my wife is not always easy. Sometimes it is. But other times, it's hard. Now, am I only called to love her when it is easy? No way. I'm called to love her just as Christ loved the church and gave Himself for it. This means that even when she may say something harsh towards me, I'm called to love her. Even when she may slam a door in my face, I'm called to love her. Maybe she says something in her words or does something in her actions that cut in a bad way deep into my heart. And through all of that, I'm called to love her as Christ loved the church before the church was ever saved while they were still a sinner. That's me. That's you. That's every husband on the face of the planet. Now, I'm blessed to have a beautiful, lovely wife, both inside and out. And she is very submissive to me as her husband. But I would be fooling you and I'd be fooling myself to say that we always get along. Everyone's marriage is going to experience problems, brothers and sisters. And when these problems arise, you better believe that Brother Matthew doesn't want to love his wife. However, I have started in my mind and in my life over the past few years, I have started to either think or to whisper to myself these words when I don't feel like loving my wife. Love her as Christ loves the church. Brothers, sometimes I've had to grit my teeth 
to say these words the first time. But it does help the more that I say them. Either I'm going to obey Scripture or I'm not. Either I believe Ephesians 5.25 or I'm going to trash it. Romans 5 verse 8, I've already alluded to this, says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5 verse 6 says that Christ died for the unholy. Now, do you think your wife is a sinner? Do you think that she is unholy? Well, guess what? You're still called to love her as Christ loved the church. And Ephesians 5.26 goes on to say that Christ gave himself for the church, that he might present it as being sanctified, which basically means to become more holy. In other words, what Christ did for the church was for the purpose of making her, that is the church, set apart, holy, and consecrated. Now that speaks volumes when applied to the literal husband and wife relationship. Us men should live our lives in such a way that our wives become more and more and more holy or sanctified and set apart according to the word. We should set an example for our wife men so that they will have a desire to be more of the woman that Yahweh would have them to be. Ephesians 5.26 also speaks of the washing of the water by the word. Now, at the least, this refers to the cleansing that the word or the law of Yahweh brings to a person. Our wife, my wife, Brother Matthew's wife, should see me talking and walking and living the laws of Yahweh Father here on earth. The same goes for you men. Your wife should see you doing those things. And brothers, we will cleanse her, our wife, in doing this. She will begin to see a change in our life when we put something of this caliber to practice. She will become sanctified for the service of Yahweh when she beholds how we are living around the home, out and about, how we're taking time out for her, for our children, and we're setting an example, a righteous example, in service to Almighty Yahweh. Ephesians 5.27 in the New Living Translation states this, quote, He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church, without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. End of quote. Husbands, we need to think about this long and hard. Do we desire for our wife to be glorious? What about without fault? No spots or wrinkles. Now, I know, I know that both of you, man and woman, both me and my wife, listen, we're eventually going to get a few spots and wrinkles in the natural. <laughs> but I'm talking about a splendorous woman of Yahweh, a spiritual warrior for a wife. Proverbs 31 puts it nicely by telling us that favor is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman that fears Yahweh, she is to be praised. Now, if you're anything like me, you want your wife to be glorious and beautiful in the spiritual. But here's what you have to do. You must make the first move. You must act first. Why do I say this? Well, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. See, Christ did something first. So that his bride, the church could become something 
Second, Christ did not wait on his bride to make herself holy. He took the initiative. He is the one who made the first move. And this is exciting to me as I speak it right now. We have the perfect example in Yeshua the Savior. We are who we are as saints because of what Yeshua did first, not second. Yeshua did not wait on us to do something and then he moved. No, he moved first and caused us to become something second. And a good husband will follow Yeshua's lead and not wait until his wife takes the first step. You, husband, take the first step. After all, you're the man of the house, right? Well, if you are, you take the first step at loving your wife as Christ loved the church. Now, the Apostle Paul moves from here into verse 28 to talk about loving your wife just as you love yourself. He says in verse 29 that no man ever hates his own body, but rather nourishes and cherishes it. See, us men, we lovingly care for our bodies. Now, I'm not speaking in the sense of some in the worldly scene today that show forth pride and ego. I'm not talking about that, man. But I'm simply speaking of the fact that human beings, men, watch out for their self. For instance, if I'm out working on my chicken pen, I'm going to take extra time not to hit my finger with my hammer. Why? Because I love my finger and I want it to be well. And if by some chance I do hit my finger, and I have hit it before, many times actually, I'm going to place all my attention upon that hurting place on my body. I'm probably going to look for some type of salve and a band-aid as soon as I can. And that goes right along with the second most important commandment in the entire law of Yahweh. And that is this, to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now I can hear somebody say, but I'm not supposed to be in love with myself, Brother Matthew. Well, according to this commandment, that type of mentality is wrong. Now, I do believe that we should not become haughty or prideful or have like a self-ego or something like that. But we should love and cherish and nourish our own body. And people in general take care of their body, and that's what Paul is speaking of in these last few verses in Ephesians 5, directed to the husband. Christ cares for his body, that is the church, and a man should care for his body, which in turn means he should care for his wife. The New Living Translation that I mentioned earlier places an interesting perspective here in the latter portion of verse 28, where it says, quote, For a man is actually loving himself when he loves his wife, end of quote. And it seems to me that that particular thought harkens back to the Genesis account where the first woman was literally taken out of the man. And we have this scene in Genesis 2, 18 through 24, where Yahweh causes a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And then out of Adam, Yahweh creates Eve, the woman. And Adam's response when Eve is brought to him is that she is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And that is to be taken literally. Because the woman was originally and literally a part of her husband. It was from a piece of her husband that she was made. And therefore, when Adam loved Eve, he was actually loving himself, his own flesh and bone. Thus, the New Living Translation again states, quote, For a man is actually loving himself when he loves his wife. See, when a man comes of age and joins himself to his wife, 
He is to join to her in an inseparable way. The two people are to become united in one purpose, one mind, one will, one flesh. And this is what the Bible speaks of when it says that the two shall become one flesh. The togetherness that existed prior to the taking of woman out of man finds itself in the intimate Christian marriage between male and female. The man leaves his current family unit, that is his father and mother, and he cleaves to his wife to begin an additional family unit and to one day become a father himself and for his wife to become a mother herself. Now, Ephesians chapter 5 has always been a wonderful chapter in my eyes as it pertains to the duty of the husband. And I believe the same can be said for its discussion on the duty of the wife, but that's not the purpose of these lessons. And neither should it be your purpose if you are a husband. I know that when you hear messages like this, you always want to point your finger at the wife. I've had men tell me, why do you focus so much on us? Well, I have taught messages and I have taught lessons and I have counseled wives before on how they should be treating their husbands. But listen, that's not for you to worry about, brother. Christ took the first step to make you holy. You need to take the first step to make your wife holy. And you need to work at it. And you need to remember that if you have not loved your wife as Christ loved the church for years at a time, that what you have done to your wife in all of those years is not going to be undone in a couple of days. It's going to take months, and yes, sometimes it can even take years for you to get back on track at having the marriage that Yahweh designed for a righteous man and a righteous woman to have. You say, Brother Matthew, I don't have all that time. Listen, quit bellyaching and complaining and trying to come up with all these kind of excuses. Listen, I can make up excuses just like you. You took the time to ruin the marriage. Take the time to mend the marriage, brothers and sisters. Listen, Brother Matthew has made mistakes, many of them, in regards to his marriage. There's been times when I have not loved my wife. There's been times when I have been terrible towards her. And I've had to ask her to forgive me, and I've had to repent. And it's taken time to mend that wound and to banish that wound. And you know what? Because I love her, I'm willing to take the time to do that. Because she's my wife. And I'm going to fight for her. And I'm going to fight for her love. And I'm going to show her that I love her. And as a husband, you need to concentrate on following the commandments and the precepts of Scripture that are given to you, not to her. You need to be in love with the wife of your youth. You need to be in deep love with the wife of your youth. Do not let that love escape. Take time out for your wife. Spend time with her, brothers. Take her places. Do you remember how, before you were married, you used to call her up and set up a time for you and her to go out together and enjoy a meal? Or to take a walk through the park? Or to go out and buy her something that she would like to have? And then we get married and we tend to let those things fall out of focus. Do you know that she will still appreciate if you call her up? Or if you take her by the hand and you tell her that, listen, we're going out tonight, just me and you. We're going to spend some time alone. 
and we're going to go and take a walk there through the park. Or we're going to go to your favorite restaurant or your favorite store, and I'm going to get you that dress that you've been wanting to have. You know how much that that will do to soften your wife's heart? Take time out for your wife. You need to tell your wife that you love her every day. You need to touch her. You need to rub her arm, kiss her cheek, kiss her lips, hug her, let her know that you love her. Give her the attention that she needs as a woman. you got to let her know that she is the most loved woman on the planet, and every day you want to spend time loving her. And when you do all these things, when you provide for her, when you love her, when you hug her, when you kiss her, when she sees you living righteously before the Father, you know that she'll become more holy. All that worry that you've done about her, if she's going to be right with Yahweh or not, all those wrinkles, those spiritual wrinkles, they'll iron right out of the picture. You won't have to worry about them anymore. Why? Because you took the initiative and you stepped in and you performed the duty of Christ. I love you, brothers. And I hope that you and I hope that myself will take heed to this teaching tonight. You've been listening to the Ministers of the New Covenant radio broadcast. Our website is ministersnewcovenant.org. That's ministersnewcovenant.org. Please visit our website where you will find hundreds of audio sermons as well as videos, books, and articles explaining various doctrines in the scriptural faith. For questions, you can also call 678-347-6240. That's 678-347-6240. Thanks for listening, and according to His will, may Yahweh richly bless.